Hello and welcome to episode 654 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 5th. I'm your host, Paul Spore. I am joined by not only Justin Mason, but the 30th best catcher in baseball, Eno Saris. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. how's it going? I like how you said your your list was not safe for work. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that was just the best I could put. I mean, because it gets so disgusting, like right after the uh, the handful of decent guys. And yeah, I had to think of something funny to put in there. And I was like, you know what? I'm putting Eno. And so you're ranked 30th right by a fake. You're behind a fake player, Tom Murphy. That guy's not even real, dude. <laughs> are you 33? I was guessing. Age-wise? Yeah, how old are you? 39. Oh, sorry. I got to update it. I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> there Justin? are no 39-year-old baseball players. Oh, there's oh, probably yeah. a couple. Oh, oh Cologne's got to be close-ish, right? Um, Justin, how are you doing? We talked not too long ago. Yeah, we're back at it again. Yeah, less than 24 hours ago, we did a three-hour pod. So I know. And this is our what, our third podcast in three days together. Correct. But Correct. because you're going to the Fangraphs staff trip, mm-hmm. we won't be talking again until next week. And then we get to see each other in I know. York. Oh, I can't wait. I'm really All hoping us, you bring your right? voice with you. I should have it back. You know, are you going to be there? No, no. no. Uh, I, is it, is only... it a labor versus tout thing and you can only pick one? No, I mean yes, not because of them. Uh, yeah, 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 because but of my wife your own schedule and, my and your family. family. Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. That that's makes why. Sense. That's but why I'm not going on the the staff trip for fangraphs. Yeah, back to back trips when you guys got families. I mean, way to have families, idiots. Am I going to see you Friday? Yes, I'll be there Thursday. In fact, well, so uh, as long as you're still there. I'll be there. Hopefully, I've already got partial voice. And then for Justin, hopefully, I've got the full voice back. The funny thing is, like, I feel fine. Um, like, I'm not feeling bad, but voice is hilariously ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. Justin was going to well, open the show. Yeah, exactly. It's just coming through. Uh, Justin was going to open the show and introduce me as Alvin from Alvin and the Chip. <laughs> We are talking pitchers today, and that's why we got Eno on, if it's quite fitting. So many different ways, of course, Eno, a uh, great uh, studier of pitching. And you also wrote a very interesting piece today on Sonny Gray. And when I was setting it up, I was like, well, we can't do like a nine-hour pod and go through your top, I think, what'd you put up, 175 or something crazy mm-hmm, like that? Yeah. Uh, we can't do that, but I did cut it at 75, and coincidentally, He's number 75, uh, Sonny Gray is. But as we're going through, um, I'm not saving him till the very end. I know when we do these marathons, some people probably cut off the last bits here and there. And uh, I want this Sonny Gray chatter to get in there. So he'll be in the middle. But we are going to start as we've started with a lot of our guests recently and talk a little TGFBI. You're in a league we've discussed as recently as just yesterday. <laughs> You're in that league with Justin and Bob Hogman. You're picking two. And you were gifted Mr. Mike Trout at number two, you know, like how lucky is that? Not that Betts is some terrible pick, but did you think you were going to get Trout there? I did not. I was pretty happy to get number two and just figure it's Trout or Betts. I figured it would be Betts. I was very happy to get Trout. And one of the reasons I like it so much uh, is because I do think there is a gap. I mean, and just sort of by projections, there's a gap between Trout's and Betts. That's, and then the, the gap between them and the rest is very large. Oh, yeah. And because of that gap, I felt much better about taking two aces uh, around the next turn. Uh, when I got Blake Snell and Trevor Bauer, uh, I felt like since I had such a great head start with, the, with Trout up front, I could do the two aces strategy, which 
Uh, I think Ariel Cohen wrote a really uh, convincing piece on Fangraphs about how uh, aces return better value. And I, uh, I fully agree with all of that. And I had number one pick in my beat pulse four, which is 12 teams. So it's a little bit different, but I felt compelled to do the same exact thing and take two aces then. And uh, the fact that you were able to get Snell and Bauer there in a 15 teamer is really nice. I think you're set up extremely well. And then you went the catcher route. Yeah. You know, I just posted my catcher rankings of which you made them. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. But, uh, we know that the catcher pool is bad. I mean, flat, like we're not going to sugarcoat it. It's flat out bad. And so it's, it's difficult there. And you said, you know what, I'm going to cut the BS. I'm going to get a superstar here. You got JT real Muto. Was that something you were hoping to do and that he would fall to you? Or did you decide it right around when your pick was coming up? I, I kind of did it based on values and what I saw. And I just see that by projections, he's far and away the best. He fit in that round by just projected value. And, um, I think that he could actually outperform his projections because I'm not sure that all of like what could be captured in the park effects changes is is in there. Um, you know, he he's projected for a year that looks a lot like last year, and I I could I could see him going into Philadelphia with that now star-studded lineup and just having a ball. So, uh, and and it also came on the heels of a piece I did where I tried to graph position scarcity over at the Athletic. And I found that there is no such thing as position scarcity, mostly, except for catchers. And it's and, so bad. And it's... then when you do a two-catcher league, two-catcher 15-team league, that means you really want every starter. And uh, that's before injuries and everything. So just having a guy, he, he like Trout, is, you know, you've got Real Muto, you kind of have Sanchez, but he's not quite there. And then there's a big drop-off after that, so... Yeah, I, I really liked uh, your decision there to go ahead and, and do that. Oh, God darn it. I just pulled up my TGFBI and saw that I was sniped uh, at, at in the 23rd round. I know it's it's weird to complain about that, but mm-hmm. like I said, I'm, I'm that guy. Someone took Matt Strom out from under me, jerks. Oh, anyway, yeah. back to your team, though. So then you went Puig Peraza, uh, Rysel Glacius, with Bauer and Snell there. You didn't have to take your your third starter all the way until round 10, who ended up being Eduardo Rodriguez. And obviously that that was something that you knew once you got the two starters, you could really go heavy offense and mix in a closer. With the Puig, Parada, Iglesias, Donaldson in the eighth, and Odor in the ninth, how did you feel about that group, the way it coalesced around uh, already having the two aces? Love how far Donaldson fell. I love, love, love Ruggiero Dor. Um... You know, I think that he's kind of, I mean, he's 25. I mean, people sort of think of him as old at this point or just mm-hmm. haven't been around. And they think of him, I think, as a finished product. But last year, I think, proved that he could really cut the strikeout rate. And if you can cut the strikeout rate and get the power back, you could have, like, an amazing season from Odor. And that's, that, that is sort of pie in the sky. But I, I think I paid for what he's projected to do, which is, exactly. uh, which is kind of just a, a, an amalgamation of his power self and his lower strikeout self. Yeah, if you're not paying for Rudinador to like really break out and you're just paying for what he is, I've got no problem with that. 
I've seen some other, like I thought you got he and Donaldson really nicely there. I've seen Odor go sixth, seventh round, and that's where I really peel back and don't want to take that. So uh, when I, we can go he through was, your entire. You know, I just ahead. had labor this weekend, and I had the same the same thing happen to me, where I loved Odor, and I thought going in he would be a quote-unquote target of mine, and then I just wasn't willing to to push. You know, I think 24. he went to 24, and I had him at like 22, and I just said, you know, 22 – and I think the 22 was the bats projection, which the bats projection is the is the biggest one of them all. So mm-hmm. I said, if the bat doesn't want him at 24, I don't want him. So you know, that's that's you know, you you can't fall in love. Exactly, and you know, I, I talk about this all the time here. It's all about the price of a guy because I, I am a known kind of non Odor fan. Ninth round though, sign me up. $24 in the AO only, I'm back off the wagon. Uh, 15th round, you got Jesse Winker. We had a discussion yesterday. <laughs> Could you tell Justin why Je- Jesse Winker's so good? He's, he doesn't seem to think he's Calm, calm down, Squeaky. <laughs> I, don't, I do not appreciate these attacks. When it comes to Jesse Squinker, my, my, Squinker. my <laughs> Jesse Squinker's my favorite player. Now, come on. Uh, talk to us about Jesse Winker or talk to Justin because I already know that. But, but well, what I mean, do you like about him? Projection wise, uh, I just like that he keeps my batting average high. I think he's a 285, 290 type hitter. And um, in terms of growth, what I like is. Uh, that I did some research on guys that start with hit tool uh, and add power later on, kind of the Charlie Blackman, because Charlie Blackman said to me, you know, I was a guy who had hit tool and added power, and I think that's probably one of the better ways to go about things. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody in a front office who was talking about the kind of players he likes to pick up, and he said, I like to pick up guys with hit tool. I like players who can hit. That seems important. So uh, Winker was my fourth outfielder. Uh, and pairing him with Schwarber seemed to make sense. I've got a guy who can hit for power, and I got, got a guy who can hit for average. And just to probably anticipate what Justin's going to say in terms of the depth chart there, I just I just think he's he's the left fielder. He he, uh, he is. Uh, Jesse Squinker is going to be playing every day, and that that's that was the biggest point that I pushed back on Justin for was that he wasn't going to play in like favor of Senzel or whatever. And I'm not even anti Senzel. But Winker is going to play. Justin, you're free to rebut here, but uh, mm-hmm. you're you're definitely wrong. Go ahead. I think we spent mm-hmm. enough time on it on the last podcast. Okay, I just like to bring up my 27th round pick, which was Bradley Zimmer. So, okay, irrelevant, no, completely it's, it's irrelevant. Amazing. Anyway, uh, or, you know. or, sorry, 28th round. I apologize. 28th that, round. Oh, that you're isn't. Just, you're just excited about Bradley Zimmer. Yes. Yeah. Well, once. Once healthy, I'm with you because there's no reason that he won't play every single day out there in Cleveland. We've we've beat that dead horse about how they're they, they've said he the the dreaded he's ahead of schedule, which, which oh no means you don't he's like gonna that. miss the whole year. Yeah, you don't like that. He's not back till 2024 now. Um, you know, looking at say 10th, 11th round or later, who was your favorite pick? Who 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 felt you in those later rounds that you were like, yes, got my guy. Well, I'd hate to snipe my my pitcher rankings but he's not i the information i'm about to give was not available to me when i made my pitcher rankings so this guy would be a riser on my pitcher rankings i was very happy to get julio urias okay because i a i think the kershaw uh, injury opens up a roster spot there a, a, a rotation spot and b dude is blowing 95 96 97 He's, he, he's hit 97 like three or four times. He's sitting 95. Uh, like, that's a big deal. The, 
The it guy really was is. really exciting before, and I just thought he would never get back uh, to that same velocity. But he's he's sitting ninety five, and he looks great. I have, yeah, I, was, I have a question for you on, on, on your eyes because uh, he does look great. I, I watched him pitch uh, the other day. How many innings do you think he gets? Because my big thing for 2019 is I don't know how much they're going to be willing to push him. It's a question for – I think it's also a question – it's a question for him most of all, but it's a question for all the Dodgers pitchers because they're going to play games in the DL and they're going to put guys in, they're going to take guys out, they're going to – you know, they're definitely going to – you know, we know about the DL games. They do that more than anybody. But at the same time, by – and taking pitchers out early – at the same time, what they're doing is they make those pitchers have better ERAs and whips by doing this. True. Um, and so there is a trade-off. I mean, if you don't go through that third time through the order, uh, you're going you're gonna to get some benefits to your ERA and whip. You might lose some, some wins and some innings, and that's uh, a, good, a good thing to bring up. But what I really wanted to do uh, was just get uh, pitchers that would be good when they're in. And if you've seen, uh, we have four bench picks. They're all pitchers. So... I do think that I have some weakness on the back end of my pitching uh, staff, and uh, maybe Urias is a little bit of a part of that. But as in terms of like, it, it's a little bit like Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. There is some knee injury risk, and you know, uh, and similar sort of DL type risk. Uh, but I just think he's got the talent, so I'm going to take the talent, and then I'm going to fill my bench up with pitchers, uh, and that that's sort of my strategy there. My, my old I, I like buddy it. Michael Pineda. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into him. Don't, don't worry. We, he's on the list. Um, but as far as Rodriguez goes, I feel you on that one too. At least it's not arm injuries, and I, I tend to believe in him as well. Um, I think Justin's questions about the Dodgers, because we've had this discussion a little bit on some of the other guys, is completely fair. But then your counterpoint about it's going to help the ratios a bit to kind of counterbalance – that certainly helps. And Julio Urias, you had him at 77, and he's going to be a riser. He's already moved up my board a little, but I'm going to have my new pitcher rankings out very soon. I'm going to try to get them done before I go to Phoenix, and uh, he's already moved up as well. So I'm very excited about him. I, I, I'm very scared that he's going to take my boy Ross Strips, the Stripling spot, who I took in the 12th. Same. Yeah. Yep. That, that's that's uh, our, our, in fact, our son. Just to just to underline that, uh, I'm looking at my updated ranks right now, and uh, this may change. It's kind of funny right now. I go Ryu, I go uh, Maeda is 50, but then I go Ryu, Ryu, Stripling Ryu Urias at 56, 57, 55, 56, 57. It's so, so funny that you say that. I I put them all together. Like yeah. the entire group, even in like the um, I, I think not not one right after another, but I think thirty eight through like fifty, they're all locked in there. Stripling, Hill, Maeda, Ryu, Urias, and, and is, Urias moved way up there. And not for nothing, that's basically the Dodgers' strategy. I mean, exactly, they want that. They they want an ace and a bunch of you know number twos and number threes that they can just you know interchange, try to keep healthy, you know, keep them from the third time through the order, that sort of deal. Exactly. And so we'll see how that all plays out. It can be maddening when you're in the midst of it. But if if managed right, those innings can just be so valuable when they are pitching for the Dodgers. So I like what you did there. You got a good squad. Uh, We'll definitely keep up with it throughout the year. I I love that you're in a league with Bogman and uh, Justin, though, too. So you guys and Sammy and oh, my God. Oh my God! Yeah, I can't. I can't see the names here. I didn't know it was that stacked. That yeah, is going to be such a nasty league. Uh, there were a lot of people in the Champions League complaining about having to do a Champions League, and I'm like, my league's just as tough. Like, I, 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 I have heard that, and now hearing your league, yeah, 
Yeah, I totally, uh, I totally understand that uh, your league is right up there in terms of difficulty. Next year, I'm getting an easy league. <laughs> you're just going to stack the deck in your favor. Bunch of people who just started playing fantasy last year. Um, all right, so let's get into some pitching here. Top 75, uh, Eno's top 75 is what we're going off of here. And just kind of using that as our guide and then comparisons versus mine and Justin's rankings as well. There's some things since they both haven't had a chance to update theirs or I haven't seen Eno's updated or, or Justin's updated off of their computers because I haven't successfully hacked into their computers yet. Um, I skipped some of it like Carlos Martinez. I know it would change for both of you. So we're not really going to get into that right now. There are some of the guys I am going to bring up uh, about that and ask you where you're re-ranking them. But uh, let's start at the very top. We have the same five. Just a little bit mixed up. Max Scherzer, Chris Sale, Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. Pretty pretty standard. Everyone seems to have that top five pretty well locked. You know, you went Sale number one, though. And, uh, you know, as far as finding differences here, uh, that's a pretty big, differences, a pretty big difference because I had him third and Mason had him fourth. I wouldn't say that either of us are concerned with him, but what do you like about him so much that made him your number one for Chris Sale? I think on talent, he's number one. Um, and I think probably the reason that people have him down is is injury. I don't need to speak for y'all. You're here. But, um, you know, I, I just think on talent, he's number one. And what I see across the marketplace is that our expectations of starting pitcher innings pitch should be going down uh, because uh, that's what's happening across the board. And I think that projecting anybody into 200 innings at this point is folly. Um and so when that happens, I just, like I said earlier with your eyes, I just sort of tune into the talent. Yep. And we'll see how it ends up at the end of the year, and maybe um, it'll be a blind spot for me. But A, we're not good at projecting injury. Uh, and, and B, uh, teams are now being super uh, aggressive with the DL and putting people on the DL anyway. So everybody's going to uh, everybody's gonna miss innings. I mean, I, Max Scherzer seems like a lock. For all those innings until he's not. So um, I did. I, I wrote a little piece about Sale versus Scherzer, and I kind of explained that on the Athletic. But uh, and I don't. I don't blame anybody for going Scherzer first. Sure. I think Sale, you know, or even Degrom. Uh, I can't imagine putting Sale fourth. It's, you know, I guess it's Verlander who snuck in ahead. It it, it was indeed Justin. If you I want guess, to speak to that, I guess he looks healthy, but the dude is like forty five years old. <laughs> Yeah, you make a good point. It's a phrase I'm fond of, too. They're healthy till they're not, particularly with pitchers. But uh, I have a hard time clowning anybody who wants to prop up Justin Verlander. So I, I'm sure it's because they share the first name. But, Justin, do you, want to, do you want to go further on why you have Verlander over Sale? It was a difficult decision for me, but I just think Sale's health coming into the season was, or at least going into those ranks, were – scared me a little bit more than Verlander. And if you look at what Verlander did last year, he was virtually Max Scherzer. He, so, he was insane. I mean, he, he was I mean, definitely insane. Yeah, 12 strikeouts per nine, 2.52 ERA. I mean, he was just insane. And there's no reason to think he can't repeat it considering what he's been doing the last few years in uh, in Houston now. So I'm – yeah, I'm all on board on on Verlander. I think he is easily a uh, top three or four pitcher. Uh, I placed him three, just above a sale. But I like. I think this is. I think last year we had a talk about the top four, and I said I don't really care where you put him as long as you put him like that. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of feel the same way. And I understand Verlander falling down people's boards a little bit because of his age, but 
I think he's just one of those guys you kind of just got to turn a blind eye to to the number. You, you, you just have to take that risk, right? It's a little bit of a hot potato because he is getting into the mid-30s, and you never know. But as, as Eno was saying, we can't really predict that well. So the fact that him at 35, Verlander at 35, is he that much bigger of an injury risk than somebody at 27 who, you know, uh, seems healthy right now too. We're going to talk about one of the guys here in the top ten that just had some injury situation that uh, that we're going to deal with, and so I, I don't think we can automatically say, well, Verlander's definitely going to get hurt, and so and so who's much younger is going to stay healthy. Uh, we did all put Cole at five. That was the one universal that we had. Otherwise, it was a, a jumble of Sale, Scherzer, Degrom, and Verlander at one through four. Uh, let's move on and talk about that aforementioned guy who got hurt. Luis Severino was scratched today, and he's going to have an MRI on his shoulder slash lat. And uh, obviously, this is sending a panic through the uh, through the fantasy community right now. I know Justin was talking to us a little bit off air about how he's got a bunch of dynasty shares that are are now uh, nerve wracking for him because he's trying to compete this year in those leagues. So that that's the double whammy. It'd be one thing if you had him in dynasty and you were on the rebuild, but you're trying to to do your thing this year. So. This is this is pretty nerve wracking. Uh, right at the top, Justin, I will start with you. It's going to be for an MRI, so we don't know exactly the results of that. But how worried are you about Severino, and are you moving him down your board immediately, or playing the wait and see? Uh, I, if I've got a if I've got a draft in the next few days, I'm dropping him tremendously. Okay, for, for those drafts, and I may rebound. Uh, after the you know, the MRI comes back, we get more information. But I'm just not messing with it. And uh, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I had him seventh on my board is because I just felt one that he was an ace. I wasn't worried about the struggles we saw at the end of the last year. Uh, and two, he he's healthy. Like he has health over Aaron Nola and health over guys like Carrasco and Kershaw. And, uh, and then there goes that. <laughs> there goes that. And not only that, it's like immediate like panic mode so like i would probably if i was going into a draft i'd probably drop him 18th 19th okay in, so that that, that, that is a substantial dip for severino and so now when you drop him down there are you dropping him down there hoping somebody else takes him or are you hoping to steal him later then and, and get him in that what what would that be the 20th i, I want i want someone else round? to take him yeah okay I, I, I don't want to mess with that at all. Uh, it, it, if it gets to a point where I'm going, if I'm around, what, pick 70 or pick 65, and he's still there, I'm going to have a really hard time not just grabbing him and just hoping. But you're also you're taking a risk that you're getting absolutely nothing out of that pick. It, yeah, it could it could be zeroed out. That that's the that's the danger here with Severino, you know. Um, and you guys both had him a little bit higher than me at, at, at seven. I had him at eleven, not obviously for any sort of concerns of injury because I didn't know. But uh, how are you reacting to the Severino news? And are you moving him down right away or playing the wait and see game? Yeah, I'm moving him down right away. I mean, year to year injury projection is different than you know he's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't think I would not draft him if he dropped into, you know, the third round or, you know, you know, if I was choosing between like, right. I, I have him like ahead of Patrick Corbin and I would take him ahead of Patrick Corbin. Um, I you think know, Corbin, I still Corbin would threw too. 90 last year and, you know, has had injury of injuries of his own. I, and in spring, I just don't know, uh, you know, 
it's labeled shoulder discomfort. Like, mm. you know, my body is in a constant state of discomfort. <laughs> well, you play catcher. Come on. Yeah. And basketball. I mean, yeah. And you do. You're a two sport yeah. athlete. You are. I am discomforted right now. <laughs> so, uh, and it's spring training. So, but, you know, the fact that they say not ready for opening day means it's a little something actual. They're going to step off for two weeks and, you know, he's going to be behind. That's fine. He deserves to be pushed down. But right now I have him right next to Steven Strasburg. What, I mean, what, what does Steven Strasburg do? Does he just throw Never 250 innings every yeah, year? <laughs> every single year. It's, it's wild how he just doesn't like clockwork. Okay, so let's talk about the the upshot here. I never like, or I don't even like calling it like that because I, or, or say beneficiary because I don't like injuries and I don't want to put a positive spin on them. But let's talk about who would come in there. They do have two interesting guys, both of whom I love this year before they uh, uh, went and got Paxton and then re signed Jay Happ. And that's Domingo Armand. And Jonathan Loisiga, you know, who do you prefer of the two? Who would you like to see uh, getting the job if if something is long term here with uh, with Severino? Excuse me. I'm sorry. What's the question with Severino? Between Herman and Loisiga, who would you prefer to see oh. get the job if there is a long term situation, or not even long term? If he's down a month, whatever it is, who would you like to see fill in? It's mm, interesting I mean, because I think Herman was in the running for the final rotation, the final bullpen spot, and from Herman's, you know, in- injury history is very different. Loisiga's like maximum innings pitch in a season is like twenty, so you know I think Loisiga is the up and down starter if he's on rotation. You know what I mean? Like uh, Herman's a guy who could come into a game and pitch three innings, and it wouldn't change his life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually think Herman might still make the bullpen because he's available to be a swing man, available for spot starts, situations where they don't they don't have a rigid schedule. But if they know Severino's going to miss X amount of start, I think they might go with Eliza because they would be like, Eliza, you you stay on your schedule, man. You don't do it. You you baby that thing. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. you be careful. So uh, then almost. Uh, uh, unless Loisic is being converted into to relief uh, to try and save his arm. So, I mean, it's hard, but I think that Herman's flexibility is some guy I would want on the roster all season, uh, whereas Loisic is someone I think could come up and, and start some games for me and then go back down. I, I think I agree with that wholeheartedly there. Domingo Herman's the guy I really like, and I was so excited about it as a potential fifth. Um, so if, that, if I have to put a... And not a silver lining, a, a copper lining on the Severino news. The fact that Herman could maybe get a little benefit there, I, I will, uh, I will be interested by that. Let's move on to the reigning AL Cy Young winner and possibly listening to this right now. He has come into my stream uh, on Twitch and said he was going to listen to the pod a little bit. I told him we got a pitcher episode coming up, and Blake Snell, if you're listening, what up, Blake? And uh, Balake, I'll, I'll start with you, Justin. Are we going to get 200 out of out of Snell this year? And I think less about can he do it, and more about will he let him do it? Who you know? I don't want the fact that a Cy Young winner is listening to the podcast influence me, but I I penciled him in for 450 innings this year. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about him, before you continue, is that uh, I can honestly say he would not want any BS. He would not want smoke blown. He was, you know, we were talking in the chat and he's like, you know, don't, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Like, what, what, what did you think about uh, the season? Like, where do you got me ranked? Don't, don't just say one to make me feel good. And I was like, you know, I got you eight, and this is why. And he's like, okay, cool. 
So he he wants he wants the straight talk. So don't 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 sugarcoat it. What well, where you got? Because you have him ninety fourth. Yeah, you said yeah, exactly. Pitching, yeah. Right? No, I had him. I had him ninth, uh, and with Severino dropping, I ha- that moves him up to eighth. So mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of in lockstep there. I I think that the Rays would push him if they're in the playoff push, okay. if they're actually competing for a wild card spot or the division. Uh, as we start getting down the stretch, I think that they could push him. If they're not, I don't think they will. I, I think that the bat kind of nails, you know, the innings total, just 190, I think is a pretty fair projection. Uh, but if if you're battling for a playoff spot, you, you do what it takes to get there, and, and Snell is a horse that they can ride. Uh, I completely believe a lot of the gains he made last year. I uh, think he is largely going to repeat it i feel like the projection systems as a whole are kind of down on him uh a little bit uh which i don't necessarily get but i think they're more down on the whip i think the era is fair you know it's a fair regression to put him into the low threes but the whips pushing from uh 114 is the low that's that's the bat and they are the the most aggressive there the The rest are like 117 to 120 and i'm just like I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends on where you have the walk rate, I guess. You know, have you ever interviewed uh, Blake? Yeah, we talked. I'm I'm trying to think of what the piece ended up being about. Uh, but my impression, and I think he, I, I've heard him attribute. I think there's two main differences that make him a different pitcher than from before, uh, and that's that's what is difficult to capture in projection system. Oh so, yeah, he used to walk more people. But he did two things. He moved on the rubber, and he uh, started throwing a slider that he wasn't really throwing before. And I think those two things are enough to be aggressive with uh, with his walk rate and say he can probably keep his walk rate as it was. Uh, so, or or even maybe improve it because he's you know throwing the slider more and getting more used to it. So. I feel like he's a new pitcher with those two with those two changes, and I think we're missing that a little bit. Yeah, and again, that is difficult for the projection systems. They can only go off the numbers that they have. They don't always have uh, changes like that baked in on the field ones, let alone some off the field ones. And 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 there have been things where clearing up things off the field can really push a guy on the field too. So yeah, that's where we got you, Blake. Hopefully you are listening. Guys should check him out. Classically famous is his Twitter handle. If you're a Fortnite guy, uh, I think we're going to give him to play some MLB this year too, though. And, and if he's going to use the, uh, well, we'll definitely have to consider doing that and see if he wants to. I think he would. I think he would real chill dude. I was really impressed with him when he came through. He hung out in that chat for a long time. That's what I'm saying. Like a real, real chill guy. And uh, I was really impressed with the whole, like, don't gas me up. Just give it straight. You don't have to tell me like, Oh, you're my favorite player or whatever. If I'm not, and uh, you know, just, just be a normal person. So a very cool guy. Uh, So Blake's now my number one pitcher for eternity. Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) Are we overdoing it with Walker Bueller? Me and Eno got him 14th. Justin, you got him 12th. Like I watch him and I've even watched some of his uh, starts here recently, uh, just reviewing some stuff and it's not helping me tone things down at all. And at the same time, I'm like, I swear I've made this mistake before, and I he, he, it's more innings than Luis Castillo or whatever, but it's not so many more that I should feel this much more confident, right? It was 89 innings, Luis Castillo. It's 137 plus some playoffs with Walker Buehler. 
you know, are we making the same mistake by by pumping up somebody who had a great season, strong playoff, and now we're putting him as a top 15 locked in sort of guy? Or is Bueller different? Is he the standout that can kind of break the mold a bit? Well, I mean, one one way that he separated himself from Luis Castillo is the strikeouts and the and the whiffs, and mm-hmm. the, you know, you know, they both had standout velocity, but uh, you know, in terms of striking people out, which is the thing that becomes stable quickest um, or one of the quickest things, and uh, in terms of whiffs, he's got it all. So uh, I just um, I don't have I don't have that many question marks for him short term. I think long term. Um, I have more questions about him, but in terms of what he's going to do this year, I feel like he's going to take up the mantle and be the Dodgers ace this year. That's what I was saying the other day is that he, he, he's going to be the guy they rely on so that they can manage the innings of everybody else. And again, it all seems that we agree because of where we have him 14, 14 and 12 with Justin as the high man. I'm not like, how am I the high man? Like I, I know because you were even kind of like saying, you know, I, I is he even going to get the yeah. innings? And, and so it turns out you love him even more than you thought. But I, I mean, it, it, the rankings, I have him between Syndergaard, uh, Syndergaard, Carrasco. I had him right one ahead of Kershaw, Paxton, Flaherty, Berrios. There's a soft point there, I think, mm-hmm. after the first 10 or so yeah. where there's a, there's question marks. I mean, they're, they're Great call. ace talent, but I mean, Paxton, you know, has had some issues. Flaherty, I think, uh, as much. I mean, Flaherty's blowing ninety-seven. This oh my spring. god! And nine strikeouts. Nine strikeouts we're actually going to talk about him in a moment. Nine yeah. strikeouts. Like, and again, another guy where I'm trying to keep the wet blanket to not overrate him, and then at the same time, I watch something like that today or rewatch some of his old starts, and I'm like, should I have him sixth? Like, what the hell, dude? He's so good. So I, I feel you about the soft point. And it was actually – I was talking about this on the Roto-Wire Series XM show the other day. And I thought it was uh, Liss who had done a study, but it's, it's a Peter Kreutzer study that he had he had just talks about every year to, to kind of uh, caution people. There is a soft point there every year it seems, and it's after the ace tier, and it's kind of the – it, 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 it varies where it starts, whether it's the 12th or the 15th, but it kind of goes from around there to about 30, where it's the guys who are supposed to be the next level aces and the guys who were once aces falling back, and they return some of the worst value. There, there, there are a lot of time bombs in that ranking there, and I think we're seeing it again this year. The names you mentioned, a lot of injury risks, Strasburg, Paxton. Um, there's an age risk with like a Granky. Uh, David Price getting up there. He's not old or anything. Um, and then youth risk, Bueller, Flaherty. And so is that a spot where maybe you guys want to avoid living too much? Or do you just take the plunge with your favorites and, and hope you strike it rich, Justin? How do you feel about this this tier here? If I jump into that tier, I'm double tapping usually. So I'm, I'm grabbing two guys to kind of co- cover myself. Uh, whereas if I'm going for the you know kind of true elites, and that's kind of where I have Bueller is the start of that tier for me. Mm-hmm. So because uh, I do worry that I think some people were projecting him to get 180 or even more innings, and I just don't see that from from Bueller, especially from a Dodgers team that just hasn't allowed guys to go that uh, deep mm-hmm. into seasons uh, in recent years. So. Uh, yeah, I, I have no problem like double tapping Tyon and Flaherty, or uh, or a Walker Bueller and a, a, a Clevenger or something like that. Uh, but it's pretty rare outside of my TGFBI team that I'm, I'm leaving with only one uh, of those guys as my only starting pitcher as I start getting outside the top twenty. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's talk about the teammate. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, Quentin Kershaw. Of course, you guys uh, put the ranks out before the constant, seemingly constant stream of bad news, or at least me- modest news at best about Clayton Kershaw came out. Eno, you had him 15th. Justin, you had him 13th. On a re-rank, like uh, looking at your ranks now on your computer, you know, wh- where do you have Kershaw now, and what what is your outlook for him? Are you drafting him, et cetera, et cetera? It's like the Severino thing, but I think it's worse. I mean, yeah. it's just because it's not new with Severino. Yeah, least it's, exactly. It's new. It, well, and it's it's not the only issue with Kershaw either. I mean, we still have a back issue, and they were talking about something with the arm, right? Biceps or something. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I had him sort of 15 coming to the season, which is almost the same as putting him on a note do not draft list because, you know, there's always somebody who's going to take him ahead of, ahead of 15 based on projections and, you know, history and how good he's been. I'm now going to drop him. I'm sort of debating it right now, but I think um, I have him right now around 27, oh, wow. which would be where Madison Bumgarner is and David Price. I mean, Yikes. is that... Yeah, what? I mean that's that's where I put, I have him twenty eighth, and I, was, I can't argue with that. But I I did I was I'm not on. dropping him that far. No. See, I was high on Kershaw coming in. You say somebody was always going to draft him. It was usually me. I, I'm the guy ready to take him there in that sort of early teens range for Kershaw, and and you know just bet on the skills. And even if I got 150 innings, they were I figured they were going to be really 150 quality innings. But I, I moved him down too. I, I, I'm I'm nervous uh, because again, it's just a a constant stream of negative news, and it's new stuff too. It's not even just the back. Uh, Justin, you say you're not moving him down that much. Where are you going to put Kershaw in an updated rank then? Twenty three ish. Okay, so about four or five spots I, higher I'm, than. I'm putting him in the Strasburg area for me. Strasburg, Corbin, Granky. Uh, he'll probably go behind all of those guys. Uh, so my guess is, yeah, he'll be 22, 23, something like that. But I, one, it, they seem a little bit more uh, uh, confident that he's going to be okay uh, mm-hmm. in, in the last few days. And so that's giving me a little bit of added uh, confidence that uh, he, he's going to at least, he may not start the season uh, on the team, but that he he'll he'll be back pretty soon. Uh, it's just it's so hard to knock him even out of my top twenty. I just and just just the name I know. value in itself. Is, I know it's like, it, because even uh, even uh, last year, right? Yeah, even it, last year he's hurting and his velocity's down, and yet he's still up he's great still numbers. <laughs> that's that, and that's what was giving me the confidence to stick with him and say, you guys, not you, you two, but uh, right, yeah. folks who were saying 20 plus, I'm like, you guys are crazy. Stop trying to push him way down. But then I have hit the panic button a little bit. I'm actually looking at it now. I think I'm going to have him kind of right behind Severino and they're going to be 22, 23. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have him back up. Well, I had him 28. I'm inching him back up a it little bit really myself. It was really interesting to see kind of where he was going in TGFBI because we, we started that what eight nine days ago I think and it was yep. like right as the first news with that was breaking and we saw him just go all over the place he ended up with an ADP of 52 overall but we saw him go as late as 90th overall oh my goodness uh, and, I would love that yeah as early as 28th and so just I think that's what you're gonna see throughout the rest of draft season is 
in some leagues, he's he's good. People are not going to be afraid, and they're going to be like, it's Kershaw. Uh, and then in some leagues, people are just not going. The entire league's not going to want to touch him, and it's it's really someone who just goes, well, I, I just can't let him go any farther than this. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so, again, hopefully, I'm in some draft rooms where I can be that guy that says I'm not going to let him go any further because I want some Kershaw shares. Didn't he only go for I- twenty bucks at NL Labor? Let me see. Let me put it into the old search bar here. I feel. I feel like he only went. I, I know Greg Ambrosius. Uh, yeah, twenty bucks. Yeah, twenty bucks. Just seven dollars less than Bueller. Sorry. Yeah, criminally low uh, <laughs> for an NL only league. It's only twenty bucks. And so now I'm wondering where he's going to be for me at NL Tout. Exactly. Uh, just, it's going to be really interesting. Um, you know, if you had been in the NL room instead of the AL room, would you have jumped in at 20 on Kershaw? Yeah, I wasn't I was in that room, not not as a as a bitter. Yeah, that's uh, that, that that that's I definitely perked up when I when I heard the bidding on that. I mean, the Aces go for 30, 33, 34, Scherzer 35. went 40. Yeah. 40 and 39 for sure. I think Scherzer. I will, I think I might have actually. I think I might have well, especially in a league with only one winner and the rest doesn't yeah. matter. Like, why not take the shot that I, I love what uh, Greg Ambrosius and uh, 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 Sean Childs did with that team. They th- they went superstars and scrubs, and they really uh, did. Uh, and and took some gambles, which I can appreciate. That, yeah, that's a Sean Childs winner go home. You know, winner go home league. Like you're saying, like uh, that's a that's a good way to maybe get you know. Flaherty and Kershaw in an NL only league. Yep. Uh, then all of a that, sudden that you have that two aces, and maybe you at you look up and you have the best pitching staff in the league at the end of the year. Well, they went Bueller Kershaw, and they backed it with two premium relievers too, with Edwin Diaz and Josh Hader to yeah, kind yeah. of stabilize there. And so you got the the strikeouts from those four guys and Julio Urias at three bucks, who now looks like an amazing gamble. I think if they rerun it back just this next Sunday. Urias might go double that, might go six bucks because of the velocity reports we're getting out of him. Uh, let's move on to Thor. Noah Syndergaard, I don't want to overstate this because it's not like you guys are hating on him, but I'm clearly the high one at seven, and then it's Eno at 11 and Justin at 15. Is there something y'all don't like, or, or is it Elf, just right? the injury I mean... concern? Okay, well, but again, we just got done talking about so many other guys that yeah. carry those concerns, and Severino... <laughs> looked like a steady guy and then he's not i just think for me syndergaard was some of the arguably the best stuff in baseball if you put him number one that would no one would question that i'm gonna take my shot that i can get another 180 and yes he only has the one season of 180 plus but so do a lot of the guys around him including uh aaron nola and so I'm willing to. I want that premium, premium stuff. So I've got him seven. Like I said, Justin, you're a low man on 15. So we'll start with you. Is it just the health? And are you considering bumping him up at all after the say the Severino news, the Kershaw news? What happens now with your Severino rank as a few guys below uh, above him push down? I, I definitely will be bumping him up and probably bumping him up. Uh, more than just the two ranks of the guys who've you know got injured or dropped below him, uh, largely because I, I wanted to see him pitch in spring training before I start really investing in him. I just worried. We saw kind of the drop in strikeout rate on top of the injuries, uh, and I just 
I, I was a bit worried. He looks great, though. He, he looks vintage uh, Thor right now. And uh, so I think I'm probably going to bump him up above... Uh, uh, I'm probably going to bump him up above Tyon and Walker Bueller and potentially Carrasco, and that would put him just inside my top ten starting pitchers. So uh, it's going to be a drastic move of about five spots. I'm sorry, you cut out a little bit. Who are you talking about? Uh, uh, Syndergaard. Oh yeah, yeah, he does look good. And uh, we, you know, I was working with um, Aaron Sauceda at CBS on an update to the the stuff score. The the ace it's called aces. He's calling it, which is basically you take uh, the movement and velocity of the different pitches. Um, we put in command uh, from Command Plus and. Uh, just try to come up with a, a score that represents how good their stuff is independent of their results. And so uh, uh, I just wanted to mention that because Neil Syndergaard was, the, was tied for first. There you go. Wow. Him, and, him and Garrett Cole had the best stuff in baseball. So that's, that's not the, surprising, but it is at the same time. And then that, that's what I'm saying. So I'm go, I'm going to bet on that. I've got him seven. He's, go, um, he's going up to probably ten for me. So it's – okay. Okay, he's, so he's, he's definitely going to yeah. jump. And after the injuries, there. I have him. I have him ten. Okay, okay. So then we're more we're more in locks. You could, you seven could to I 10 think is, you could argue him above Bauer pretty easily in terms of longer track record of success. Um, Bauer but, looks good too, though this spring. So it's and above that Bauer, there's there's Kluber, and you'd have to really push the aging thing pretty hard. And then for me, above Kluber, there's Snell and Nola, and and those are the guys that almost have no question marks. So. Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I've got. Uh, I don't know Syndergaard. what to do with Kluber. I, I really See, like. I don't. Need... That's the, actually the hardest one for me because he. I think he's really showing effects of age. You've seen the the, the the strikeout rate going, and you've heard us talk about his fastballs. Yes, and I was going to bring that up when you were the co-host of this show years ago. You highlighted the fact that Kluber's been doing all of all of this with a bad fastball. Not 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 just. Recently, he's never really had uh, a strong fastball to rely on. And of course, as you age, that can be highlighted a bit more. We're seeing the home runs slowly trickle up 0.5 to 0.9 and then uh, small measures within the 0.9. If you if you push it out, it's 0 0.89, 0 0.92, 0 0.93. But then last year, 1.1 for Kluber's home run rate. And you mentioned the strikeout rate, major dip from 34 to 26 percent. And so going into his age 33 season, do I think he's going to be bad? No, of course I don't think he's going to be bad. But if he put up like a 360 with still a good whip, and what it would be for me, for Kluber, if he does have something like a 360, he's going to be great most of the time, but he's going to have some shellackings, just some massively bad outings that are going to boost the ERA. And so it's going to be one of those scenarios in October where we say, well, if you take out these four bad starts, he would have had a 212. And I say, yeah, I understand. And I do that sometimes too, just to highlight how a guy's season went. But I do worry that the bad fastball and lowering strikeout rate is going to create the potential for more of those uh, disaster outings for Kluber. And so I don't know, guys, I have him above some of the guys we're talking about. I have him sixth. But I usually let him go and then go Thor, Nola, Snell. And I but is want it those fair, to be Is it fair to rank? My, my question is, is it fair to rank him six? Because that's where I have him too, and I'm doing the same thing. And then we don't take him. And then we don't take him. So should I – yeah, yeah, should I drop him down to like nine or ten, pushing Nola and Snell and potentially Bauer 
above Kluber because, honestly, I feel more comfortable leaving a draft with one of those guys on my team than having Kluber and kind of the aging uh, issues uh, front my rotation. Eno's yeah, done exactly and that. that. He's TGBF, got a nine. TGFBI that we talked about, um, you know, I had the turn coming and Kluber was there. I chose Snell over Kluber, and I knew he probably wouldn't come back to me. Yeah. So if I... I have him in my ranks. To be fair, I do have Snell ahead of Kluber, but yep. but I could have if I I could have played my cards right and gotten Kluber and Snell instead of Snell and Bauer. Uh, if I'd taken Kluber first, playing the sort of ADP game, you know, yeah. where I'm like, oh, he'll let Snell drop to me, you know. But um, Snell, Snell, Kluber, Bauer are your eight, nine, ten, and so I mean, you played it like so. Do you do you list your rankings as almost a dra- Eno's draft sheet? Or, or how do you do it? Because I, I balance it. Sometimes I keep a guy up there because I'm like, this is where he's going. This is where he, quote unquote, belongs. But then I'm, I feel disingenuous because like a Kluber at six, I'm not taking him there. So shouldn't I have him down at nine or ten? I, I totally agree with that, Justin. And you've done it. you know. So do you usually just say, you know what? If I wouldn't take him above these guys, put him below. Yeah, I do try to play that game. I, what I do first is I – Take an ADP and I and I make, put that list. Then I do a projected uh, ranking. Uh, so now I've got ADP and projected ranking. Then I threw in the Aces score. So mm-hmm. I've got three pieces of information that I'm looking at in terms of rankings. Uh, th- I use that to do a, first a general ranking where I'm throwing people where I just say like 20, 40, 60. You know, uh, I put them you know in a general tier, and then I try to go and be like, who would you rather have? Who would you rather have? Who would you rather have? And kind of go down that way. But one thing I have noticed when I deviate the most from my own rankings, it has to do with it doesn't really have as much to do with one through 20 or whatever. It has to do with hap- what happens after that. And I think it has to do with the very specifics of your league. Not yes. only is there what did you take? Like, did you take an injury risk first? Uh, do you want to take a guy you think is safer second? Uh, but also, um, like in TGFBI, like I just took Carlos Rodon and I might have taken him over a couple pitchers that I had above him in the rankings, but I was in my bench picks in TGFBI, and that's the sort of go big or go home for me uh, exactly. in terms of, like, I was looking at, like, Rodon, Stroman, and I uh, forget one other pitcher, and I was just like, you know what? I think Stroman, like, you know, might be better than Rodon this year, but in terms of, like, which one of these guys has the bigger ceiling and could still put it together and, and do everything... I'm I'm gonna trust the guy who's like you know 25 and really hasn't quite done it all yet and maybe maybe he finds command of that changeup or whatever it is. So um, you know I just uh, there's a little bit of more of a the further you go down in the rankings there's more feel yes, uh, league for feel sure. league feel construction maybe, feel maybe you just heard a, a tweet and yes I don't want to be like oh. I just saw a tweet off of Pitching Ninja where he just, you know, had this awesome slider, and so I'm going to take him. But velocity, I have been hearing things. I mean, deep down in my rankings, Martin Perez blowing 95. I heard Steven Gonzalez is sitting 93. Uh, you know, those kind of things will make for micro changes in my rankings pretty quickly, and yeah. uh, and those I think are useful. I mean. You know, that's if, one of the best things Martin you can Perez take. 95 would be very different than the Martin Perez that was there before. Exactly. That's one of the, what's one of the few things you can really take from spring training is, is pitch changes and velocity changes that, that can really spike something And outside of just for the Martin Perez tangent real quick. Cause I've always been a backer. I really liked him as a prospect and he 
never quite materialized. But outside of last year's Uber dud, he was a 622 ERA for 85 innings. He had five uh, a five-season run there where he put up 638 innings of a 437. He wasn't terrible. He was surviving in Texas. He's still just 28. If he's popping mid-90s from the left side, I don't know. That's going to generate some interest for me. Now, it's it's late glob for sure. I mean, we're not talking about making Martin Perez one of your starters. But I agree with you. That spring stuff, that really does play on my radar and move guys up. You call them micro changes. You know, a little 10-spot change here from, from 130 to – to 120 or even 130 to 106 or something like that. It's a big so, deal when the league cut off, when you only have 100 pitchers in the league, you know, exactly. or you only have 110. You're talking about a guy moving from, you know, I'll leave him on the wire and maybe keep my eye on him to he's on my roster. To let me get him. Exactly. I just I can't totally believe agree you're putting him above Blake Snell, uh, Paul. It's just. Uh, <laughs> why, why, why? I texted you that in confidence. Oh, I texted no micro you that in, in confidence. That's a little bit of a micro change there. All right. So, and, and I, I think I. I've moved toward it more in recent years, but I'm going to be even more considerate this year of if I'm not going to take the guy there, don't freaking rank him there. So you know what? Right now, moving Kluber down. You're at yeah. nine. I think that's what he went from I, six I think to I'm nine. Drop him to nine or ten. Had to do it because we're not makes taking. Me sad. Yeah, I still love him. I'll root for him. And nine's fine. It's not like we hate him. But uh, I, I got to be honest about where I would take him. Uh, all right, let's talk about Jack Flaherty. I mentioned he struck out nine today in four innings. You guys have them both at 17. I got him at 26. So I'm probably – I'm the odd man out here. And I'm not really against him. So I guess what my question would be is to, to raise my concerns and, and have you guys either sway me or, or completely ignore you guys and just keep him at 26. For me, I love – the, the the raw stuff is there because the strikeouts are way up and his hit rate was uh, very good last year. The, he allowed a 198 average. And sure, some of that is some bad bit favorability, but you got to be damn good to to allow that uh, that sort of batting average. And again, the strikeouts back in. I mean, he's nasty, but it is a 10% walk rate and a 1.2 homer per nine. And he's going to be 23 coming off of a big uh, freshman season. So I do wonder if there's going to be a little peel back, you know, uh, particularly with the walk rate and homers. Or is there anything in Flaherty's game that you see where he can trim that walk rate and make me feel a little bit more confident that he isn't going to maybe be susceptible to a few blow-ups here and there and either maintain the 334 ERA or improve upon it? Because my concern is that he's more of a 375 sort of guy with a boatload of Ks, which I don't dislike, but I didn't really like in my top 20. So what do you think about Jack Flaherty, Eno? Yeah, I have him. I think I might have him higher than you. And... I'm, I've been a fan. One of the things that I like about his possibility for com, uh, improving his command is that he's the p- former position player that hasn't been pitching his whole life. And uh, I, there's something I like about those guys. Jacob Degrom is one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one too, isn't he? No, it was it was just Degrom. They went to no, they went to the same school. I, I was uh, just conflating the two. My uh, fault on that. It was just yeah, two. yeah. No, but I think that uh, sometimes you'll see position when position players go on the mound and they're pitching. A lot of times they actually have. I mean, I think I, I want to go look into this and make sure I'm not talking out of my butt. But it seems to me like they have pretty good command. Like they they throw it to the zone. They don't throw it hard and they don't have great movement, but they throw it to the zone. And I think that's because, especially if you're an infielder you have to throw from all sorts of different angles. And I've, in fact, seen drills that, that college places do where they have people pick up the ball and throw it to, to home plate. And they, and they do it from all different angles just to kind of work the muscles all around your normal muscles. So you're not just doing the same thing, you know, 3,000 times a year. 
So, uh, you know, that's why I think that he might have better command coming. I think that he's learning his curve. Uh, and so that might be, if you look in the minor leagues, he had awesome walk rates down there. Uh, so there's learning his opposition, learning his curve. Uh, and uh, there's a little bit of uh, maybe like with Musgrove, like maybe being in the zone too much at first and then learning that he had to uh, kind of, you know, push it to the outside of the zone. I think that uh, he he learned he got to, got to know the league and if he comes with a couple of ticks the biggest problem I have with him is that the curveball is only okay but if he comes with a couple of ticks across the board and the curveball is now 79 80 and the and the slider is 88 89 then I do think there's some room for growth uh, but mostly mostly I'm picking him because projections really like him I like his stuff and I do think that if the projections are missing anything it's in the walk rate. Yeah, betting on some raw stuff with Jack Flaherty, you, you can't necessarily go wrong there. Because like I said, the strikeouts are there. That's why I don't hate him. I'm just a little bit lower than most. And he worries me in that, uh, what I was mentioning earlier with the Peter Kreutzer thing of that uh, of the time bomb tier, that uh, maybe we're betting a little bit too early. Like I could see a pullback this year and then the surge next year. Justin, you have him up there at 17. You guys are both at 17. Talk to us about what you like about Flaherty and what you see for this year versus the projections because they have him in the mid mid to upper threes. And a 17 projection leads me to believe that you have him in the mid to low threes. Yeah, I, I think he can. Uh, it's all going to come down to the third pitch. I think, like Eno said, if – and I, I have maybe a little bit more confidence in the curveball than than Eno, uh, so I'm I'm hoping that you know just a little bit of progression with that third pitch will uh, kind of give him a better arsenal. And that added velocity is really nice too. And that was something I didn't really know about uh, when I made the rank. And so uh, I think that's a bit more reassuring. It's also a matter of kind of looking around at the guys that are in that tier for me. Uh, you've got a lot of injury guys and I feel more confident that Flaherty is going to make it through a whole season than maybe a Paxton or Syndergaard or even a tie on. Uh, and I have him below those guys, but I, I don't know how long I'm going to have him below uh, Paxton for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. Again, I have a hard time really mounting a, a strong case against Flaherty. It's more of a, uh, of him specifically, it's more of a sophomore sort of peelback thing and the walk rate, uh, and walk rate, home run rate combo there. You know, does Jose Barrios have an ace season upcoming? You got him at 18. We have him at 25 and 23, respectively, me, me and Justin. Again, not that that's an, a negative ranking, but 18's a nice endorsement for Barrios. What do you see from him, and can he, can he be that uh, fantasy ace this year? Yeah, I think that uh, he's 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 a, a high stuff guy. He has a, a similar stuff score to Carlos Carrasco. Um, the projections uh, have him 14th overall by the bat. Uh, that was when I ran before, so some of the injuries will probably change that um, because Severino was was projected ahead of him and so on. So the bat has him projected as basically what was probably now a top 12 player. Uh, top twelve uh, uh, thrower. So, uh, you know, when the when the stuff goes with the the rankings, and I see an NFBC ADP that's below those, uh, I see opportunity. You, you jump. Um, all right, I'm going to move on to the next one here because Justin and I have Barrios in the same spot, and I really want to get into this one. It's time. It's time to discuss <laughs> the Shane Bieber ranking. <laughs> <laughs> you have him at 26. We have him. At, I am at 52. Justin has him at 57. 
26, you know. I understand the strikeout to walk ratio, but I think this is a guy who lives in the zone way too much. You know, he's uh, I used to call Justin Marger this, but uh, now Bieber is my white Copaneda because it's the same sort of deal. You know, love the strikeouts, but the hits and homers are there because he just lives in the zone. And for me, what I see when I watch Bieber is is that he won't walk that guy when it would be prudent to maybe do that. And what I'm I'm not saying just like throw a non-competitive terrible pitch, but when it's three one. You don't have to just groove one. You could maybe try to catch a zone, and if you walk him, reset and move on to the next one. But instead, he seems to kind of come in the zone a bit more, and he ends up getting hit 10.2 hits per nine, 1.0 homers per nine. And so that worries me. As somebody who lived through the Michael Pineda situation for so long, I am a little bit worried about Bieber. You got him at 26. We got we got to dive in. Why you got him there? What do you really see out of him this season? I mean, one of the things I like is, uh, you know, he had a 356 Babbitt last year. I just don't, I don't think that, you know, I can see being in the zone too much, being uh, leading to more hits, but I don't think he's going to run Babbitts like that in the future. He also didn't strand a lot of guys. Um, you know, that can go up. You look at his, the bat projection, it's uh, the 24th best projection uh, among pitchers, and that was before Severino injury and Kershaw. Yeah. So the bat projection is super. Maybe maybe I should have looked at the other projections and averaged them out and and, and pushed them down a little bit. But the bat projection is three five five one you know one eleven whip. And what I see is elite slider command. Um, and I think that's a, a really interesting place to start. So I don't know that I have uh, one other thing that I do have is that he was on my list of pitchers that throws uh, the fastball too much. So. That, I think, might be the way out for both of us, which is I think he throws the fastball too much. And I think he has elite slider command. So that's a way to not be in the middle of the yes. zone so much because he, the slider you kind of throw around to the edges. But can, like he can't just throw the slider like a Corbin-esque amount of times. Can't uh, he, though? Can he? I, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to jump up from 23% his fastball to 40%. Is bad. And he throws it a lot. He throws it, yeah, like a, a standard fifty-seven, you know, fifty-plus percent sort of guy. He's at fifty-seven percent. But like, it's like what, maybe negative, he won't negative seven point seven pitch value. Yeah, and maybe he won't go Corbin-esque. But what if he amps it to thirty percent? That's an interesting factor that uh, you know brings up about Bieber that uh, he two birds one stone here brings down the fastball to satiate what Eno doesn't like, and then maybe he is uh, throwing more competitive pitches in those. Uh, hitter counts, not giving up as many hits, not giving up as many homers, and voila, all of a sudden we are seeing a better Corbin shame. Isn't th- Corbin isn't throwing like one slider. Like he's not just throwing this. He's game's... got multiple. Yeah. yeah, he's good. And I don't know that Bieber has that. And uh, well, yeah, look, he's got an 80 mile an hour curveball he threw last year. That wasn't good either, though. Like it's. it's but that's it, it's slider not necessarily and nothing... predictive. I just... the, the pitch value situation there, it was only minus 0.5. And Alex Chamberlain did a lot of good work that says, like, he, he, he called a, it. Go he ahead. Threw, he threw 57% fastballs. It's it's way too many. I mean, nobody's throwing 57% fastballs anymore. Yeah, shave that. Get him on the Yankees. Don't they throw, like, no fastballs? <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of which. Get, get Bieber out there. Um, R.I.P. my mentions. Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into well, Actually, no, there? We, can, we can bump it up right now. We, we'll bump it up right now because I was already going to put it in the middle somewhere, and this is about the middle. Talk some Sonny Gray here. 
<laughs> and uh, you did a great piece on him today at the Athletic. I'll have it linked, guys. If I know subscribing to his stuff all the time is is, is difficult, you don't always uh, able to afford every page content that's out there. Yeah. The Athletic is absolutely worth it. If for only honestly, I joined simply because of you. And I haven't regretted it. They brought on Jake Seeley. They've had so many other good guys in the fantasy, even some of the other sports stuff. The athletic is worth it. But you wrote a great piece today on Sonny Gray and kind of how he's transitioning now in Cincinnati. And some people took it as F the Yankees. And you know how the Yankees fans get. So give us an idea of what you wrote about with Sonny Gray and what you see for him this year. And if you're moving him up, because you had him 75, which happened to be the cutoff that I picked for rankings today for this discussion, are you moving him up at all? So talk to us about Sonny Gray. You know, you have the floor. Yeah, I, he, 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 the stuff he said to me was like catnip. I mean, he was talking about spin efficiency and edutronic videos and, you know, pitch design. And, he, you know, he's got Derek Johnson now as his pitching coach. And Derek Johnson was his pitching coach in college. And Derek Johnson was a pitching yeah. coach that took an 85-mile-an-hour team of starters to the to 96 <laughs> wins last year. So, you know, there's a lot to like. And I thought from the conversation that it seemed like he learned a lot about himself. He learned that, you know, his fastball, though it's high spin, is not one that has ride. And so, you know, he's thinking about changing the way he uses fastball. And he learned that his slider is not a good one in the zone. And that he wasn't Masahiro Tanaka. And that maybe he just wasn't a good, uh, a good mix for what the Yankees were doing, where they throw a ton of breaking balls and they don't throw any fastballs. Um, and they wanted him to throw a slider a lot. So I, I, now he's got so much comfort. I didn't even know this, but the assistant coach, Caleb Kotham, I liked him because he came from driveline. But uh, Sonny Gray likes him because he went to school with him. Oh, so, wow. I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's a real strong Vandy connection. I think the Reds put everything in place uh, for Sonny to succeed. There's a, there's a history of success. And uh, I, I think they'll find it. Maybe, it. maybe it takes a little bit more than just the first month. But I'm definitely going to move him up in the rankings. I don't, I, I don't think that I was a crazy outlier at 75. But... When I look at some of the guys around him at 75, I think he has more upside. I'd much, I had Stroman at 72, rather have Sonny Gray. Yeah. Uh, no, you're not an outlier. I, I have him up uh, right around you, and um, I'm looking up Justin's right now. Do you know offhand, Justin, where you have him? Yeah, got... it's super low. Oh, it's yeah, like you got him at 111. Yeah, 111. You got him at 111. I have him 71. Um, so, and, yeah, yeah I... but I don't think I'm going to push him much harder than that. I think I'll, okay. I'll put him above Pineda and Stroman. Uh, put him above Odorizzi, um, you know, have him in that sort of 60, 68 to 70 range. I don't think he's going to go. But, you know, th I think that's draftable. That's that's, yeah. a, that's a great last pitcher, even in a, in a shallow league. In most leagues, yeah. You're, you're, you should have some. I, I, I don't want to leave Sonny Gray out there uh, because then I don't want to have to pay big on, on fab for him. Y'all got into a little bit on the because the home road thing was what was so interesting, right? And so then everyone starts making these mental, uh, you know, they start being a psychologist on him and saying, well, he can't handle New York, and that's why. But it was it was remarkably stark, not just ERA wise. The ERA was six ninety eight three seventeen, but the skills were drastically different across the board: strikeout, walk, homer. So what was going yeah, on there? What, yeah. what did Sonny see? I'm going into. I'm going to go in the clubhouse and I. I have a sense that I might have to take some lumps on this, but it was a lot of fun talking to him. So I hope he's not too mad because we were both just talking about this sort of science of pitching. And 
he was just being so honest. There's a lot of cussing in the piece. And I, I think, piece. you know, one of the things that I w- that stood out was he was like, he was talking about, you know, that, that split. And he goes, he was like, I went and asked him. I was like, do you see this? Am I crazy? Like, what's going on here? What is this? It's a you know? different picture. Like, it yeah, was insane. Like, like, what am I doing differently? I must be doing something differently. And their crew just said, you're just unlucky at home. Um, which nah. I think that's an unsatisfying question. And then somebody, you know, today on Twitter, Twitter's been a mess for me today. It's been terrible. <laughs> but uh, uh, somebody said, well, you know, what, what do you want them to do? Tell me sucks. And I'm like, yeah, if it's, if I it's think true, if that's what's yeah, happening. That's, yeah. Like and 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 they would never say you suck. So that's it's a straw man to ask that. But I would rather that they contemplated seriously what is going differently, and didn't just give me the old pat him on the back. Your strikeout rate's the same at home and on the road because it wasn't. It wasn't, and the walk rate was double. Yeah, so insane. Hell yeah. I I, I think there's a little bit of park effects, uh, just combining with. Uh, like he doesn't think his slider is good in the zone, and they're asking him to throw the slider for strikes. So that's not the place. That's not the park you want to miss. So that yes. that certainly doesn't help things. Throw, throw, and, and Gray. To be fair, they they you know they love Tanaka and they built Tanaka in this way, and Tanaka gives up homers a yep. lot of them. A lot and of solos up, though. Some of them are, and he because he has better command than Gray, and he's better command of the slider than Gray. But he still gives up homers because it's a lot of breaking balls in a park that does is not uh, nice to hanging breaking balls. Yep. So I, I talked to uh, what's it Rags uh, Dave Rigetti Dave Rigetti? Yep. Yeah. About um, about Sergio Romo one time, and I think Sergio was was struggling a little bit. And I said, why does why does he give up homers? Is it all the sliders? Is it it just has to happen? And he just said, if you throw that many sliders, you're going to hang one. You're going to hang some. You just are. It's just, there's you'll, just you'll no way. Plate sometimes, you know, if you, if you throw fastballs all the time. So that, that, that'll happen too. But there's something about a, a slider without its movement. It's a little bit different than a misplaced fastball. The misplaced fastball could still have the movement, could still have good velocity, uh, but, you know, be in the wrong place. Whereas a slider without its movement, is just this a tumbling, tumbling, you know, pumpkin. Yep, absolutely, and that, that's that's the scary part there. So, uh, but that's Sunny Gray. Uh, we have similarly in the seventies there. Justin, are you going to move him up, or are you sticking with him at one eleven? He's going to move up, but it's, it's not going to be tremendous. I, I worry about. I, I know that Yankee Stadium wasn't good for him. Great America Ballpark isn't going to be much better if he's still putting fifty percent of his balls in the air. Uh, and that that's my biggest concern is the home run rate isn't going to solve itself just by leaving sure. Yankee Stadium. He's going to move up just because there are guys above him that aren't going to be in rotations uh, that we've gotten more information about or have gotten injured. So he'll probably he's yeah. going to jump into my top 100. But this is pretty much my Michael Pineda. I'm not drafting you. Right yeah, now. yeah. I remember that last year. Didn't you not rank him at all? No, it was it was rankings, like two or, like or three years ago. I accidentally ranked him. My ranks got mixed up in the staff ranks, uh, and it, it, I had everybody had him ranked like in the top fifty, and I had him one twenty one. <laughs> and mm. someone in the comment section asked uh, me like. Uh, when, yeah, when he punched my dog, did he use his left hand or right hand? <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. And then the next person said, "Well, the dog hit a home run." So, yeah. But 
Of course. Yeah, I'm I just find that you out. can you can put somebody on a do not rank list by just putting them twenty you know ranks below. Yeah, you know consensus. exactly. Or, so yeah. like if you put them ninety, you're probably not going to get Sunny Gray because I think the seventy ish that uh, that Eno and I have last, is gonna last be, pitcher of mixed league. Yeah, that's really yeah. Cool. that's going to be in line with with where he's going. In fact, the NFBC ADP that Eno put in his ranks has him at seventy seven. So yeah, ninety ninety five is going to have you not getting sunny gray like you want uh, all right let's go back to let's go back up the rankings a little bit here and talk about madison bumgarner a bit because this is another guy that i'm i was kind of saying like kershaw you know i'm gonna believe in the track record i think he can get back on track i know he's got punched around twice seven earned and four uh spring innings so far on eight hits but six strikeouts against zero walks so I'm not particularly concerned based off of four spring innings. Uh, I'm the high man, so maybe you guys should be asking me where I'm going to put him. But I'm going to ask y'all, what? where are you guys at on Bumgarner? You have him similar, Eno you know, 27, Justin 30th. Justin, I'll start with you. That's your boy. That's your guy out there in San Francisco. But um, are you not heartened by the fact that we don't have any health concerns right now, and he's going to have that home ballpark kind of protecting the floor. Uh, is is Bumgarner? How long? That- how long is he going to have that home ballpark? Because the Giants aren't going to be good, and this is the last year of his deal. And I think that home ballpark does hide a lot of the flaws, uh, especially. So you worry about a trade? Yeah, especially about his lo- his locating inside of the zone. He, he gets he gets in the zone, but it's. He makes mistakes, and we saw it in that first spring start, especially Jesse Winker taking him taking him yard. Superstar uh, hitter. Yeah, exactly, superstar hitter. It was it was not a good look. Uh, I haven't seen, I haven't watched his second start, so I've got it. I've got it DVR'd uh, in in the house, uh, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Uh, and supposedly he was better, but I'm 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 super worried, especially if he gets moved out of San Francisco. Uh, that uh, and you know, two of the places that he's been rumored to go to are Atlanta and Milwaukee, and those would not be good locations for him. And not uh, exactly friendly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just I can't imagine investing in him. That being said, the two guys I have ranked right above him are Andrew Heaney and Mike Fultonevich, who are both <laughs> dealing both. with arm issues. Yeah. So, like he's gonna jump up. Uh, a little bit, but I think it's just by attrition and, uh, than anything else. Okay. Uh, and again, we're not that far off. I, like I said, I'm the high guy at 22, but 27 for Eno, 30 for Justin. Uh, we're kind of in the same range. Eno, for Bumgarner, uh, what, what are your expectations? Because you still have him top 30. That's a nice number three starter, but is he one of those ones that you have placed there because – that's where he belongs, uh, quote unquote, and you don't draft him, or do you believe in him as a twenty seventh guy, and you would still roster him as your third starter for Bumgarner? I mean, it's with the attrition, he's 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 borderline second starter, and you know when he hasn't had some freak injuries, I think he's been a workhorse. He's shown that, and uh, you know one of the things that I had a problem with him was that his, he had one of the smallest differences between where he was sitting velocity-wise and what his max was. So I thought, this is a guy who whose velocity will only go down. He has nothing left. He can't reach back any further. And so I was uh, just thinking that it would go down again. And I think he, I thought he might sit 88, 89 this year, as we've sort of seen with Granky as he's gone down the, down the list, yeah. you know? And uh, I think there is a little bit of good news early. You know, maybe the strikeouts are good news, but uh, I've heard that he's touching 93. He was, yeah. So, 
that's a that's a difference than from before. He was he was like struggling to hit 92, 91. So um, you know, I, I think uh, if he sits, if he if he can hit 93, he'll probably average around 91, and I think he'll have uh, you know a similar season to what he did last year. One caveat: last year, even though the overall numbers look good, he was not that good on the road. So and, and that brings up on the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean maybe those two splits converge a little bit, but. I kind of believe. I think the bat might be a little bit too uh, aggressive on giving him a four ERA, but um, you know, ATC gives him a three seven four ERA, one two two WHIP, eight strikeouts per nine. You know, that's good. That's not. I, I can't imagine wanting that as my ace. Exactly. I don't think you can put Pumgarner as your fantasy ace. I think you can finagle him as your number two if you have one of the premium aces, say a top eight to 10 sort of guy. But um, even me as, as the aggressive one, I'm not exactly looking forward to, to making him my number one guy. If, if I miss the first couple waves of pitchers there, I've actually moved it down a little bit, not off of the spring, but off Mm -hmm. of some studies from some other guys that I've, that I've, uh, come away liking, including Barrios and Miles yeah. Michaelis, uh, and you Darvish has moved way up my list. I've got so. Michaelis to have him too. One one thing that's interesting. Can you guys guess? Uh, well, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you two, and then there's two more. Uh, there's uh, four guys in my top forty that have stuff scores in the bottom twenty uh, percent of the league. Okay, Ooh. so I'm gonna give you two: okay, Matthew Bumgarner a- and Clayton Kershaw. Oh my god, <laughs> so sad. Um, uh, so try to guess the other two. Stuff score uh, is Keuchel. Yes, and you can get Bieber. Uh, oh, Cal no. Hendricks, seventy percentile. I... Yes. Yeah, Hendricks is in the third percentile. Are you serious? Ninety-seven wow. percent <laughs> of the league has better stuff than Kyle Hendricks. Now I wonder if there's a little bit messed up there because you call it one changeup, and if you call it one changeup, the movement doesn't look right. Yeah, but it's like multiple. It has two right? changeups. Yeah, but I mean, he started with an A7 fastball, so that's kind of where you start down there. And yet he keeps performing too. And yeah. again, I've I, I think it's elite command. I think it's elite command. So. It, it has to be. And with no Keiko, too. I mean, that's those two. I think with all four, actually. I think that all four of them have elite command, and they're pushing their stuff as far as it, as hard as it can. But And it's, it's probably Lamar. part of Granky. Uh, Granky has a 30th percentile. I mean... I, I was going to guess him if, if it wasn't yeah. Hendrix. Yeah, there must be... There must be something that we're doing wrong in terms of weighting command. Maybe we don't... Maybe they all elite fastball command guys are not weighting the fastball command enough. Something like that. Yeah, because that, we did try to put command in there, but uh, obviously those guys are—they have something in common, and they're pushing their stuff as far as they can. No doubt about that, and it does make it scary for the margin for error uh, yeah. w- with those guys. Um, let's move on to somebody who has really good stuff. I, in fact, I want to see where he ranks in the, in the uh, in the aces pool there with Mike uh, Clevenger, but. Regardless of where he ranks, you're not so keen on him, Eno. And I wonder what your beef is with him. 28th to my 15 and Justin's 18. Are you not sold on Clevenger after now two solid seasons, including a 200-inning season last year? He's got big strikeouts. I see him as a little bit more of a fully-formed Jack Flaherty, so I'm surprised to see you have him down here at 28. What are your thoughts on Mike Clevenger, and where does he rank in the in the stuff rankings? You know, I I may have that one wrong. 
I may have that one wrong. I think, um, you know, I think what I was doing there is that uh, his the bat projection was for the thirty third best starter. Okay. And uh, his stuff is uh, similar to Miles Mikolas's, where it's 80th percentile, but not 100th. You know, not he wasn't. If he'd had like a 95th, like Tyon and Barrios and those guys uh, have significantly better stuff scores. So I pushed them a little bit higher, you know. But in his case, it was an, a, a good stuff score that fit right around his ADP, uh, a ranking that was worse. Uh, and so I kind of split the difference between his ADP and his ranking a little bit and just, yeah, that's where he ended up. But now that I'm looking, I don't know that we necessarily, I don't know why the bat is, is giving him so many homers. Um, he must be pulling back down to the minor leagues in his first year where he gave up some homers. But in terms of watching him, I enjoy watching him. And I think that he sells the crap out of his changeup with that crazy hair and the, <laughs> and the way he throws it. And his delivery, yes. Yeah, so I think, I think the changeup itself, if you just isolated the movement and put it on a TV screen, it wouldn't look great. But I think with all of his effort, you know, I think it really sells it. So uh, I, I think they're probably uh, going to get the most out of his package. And the nice thing about that package you know, since I need to talk more about Mike Clevenger's package, <laughs> especially that. have you have you uh, <laughs> have you noticed how he he also wants everyone to see his package when he's when he's warming up he he stands on the mound he drops that arm yeah sort of yeah I know I know that exactly obscene move he does yeah. little Aaron Rowand on the mound yeah you could say um uh he has four good pitches. He has four really good pitches. That's what I that's what I really like about Clevenger is yeah. that we might not have even seen the best, and he just bop, popped a three hundred two one sixteen season with a twenty six percent strikeout rate. With, and with I think the strikeouts could go up. Yeah, yeah exactly. went up and a lot of injuring, innings. Yeah, I think I'm. I think right now this is happening. This is happening Five. right in front of you. I'm yes. going to move him. He's going up above Nicholas. He's going up above Price. He's going. Oh, really? Is he going to go above Granky? Um, Morton and Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. Do it. Do it. Yeah, Dude, okay. Yeah, yeah, baby. 21. There we go. I I'm, love it. Uh, he's parking somewhere around Wheeler, and I think that's a good place for him to be. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I can get behind that. I'm maybe a little ahead of Wheeler because of innings. Wheeler, you know, has the injury history and weird spring going on. I don't know what's going on with this spring. No doubt, but I, I, I can get behind that. So we got, we got Clevenger moved up. That's fantastic. Couple quick hitters here, so I don't keep you guys in too long and get you all divorced. Uh, so we'll just do fast ones here. I'll start with you, Justin. What does Herman Marquez encore look like? Like, what 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 are your what are your stat expectations for Herman Marquez? I think that's a loaded question because I I don't know that you want to have expectations with, with a Rockies picture. Yeah. Uh, You're the high guy, by the way. I You're am. Six to R thirty one thirty two. I I'm I'm a believer in the stuff. And I think he showed the ability in the second half to limit the damage done to him at home. I still think this is a guy that you're going to have to manage, and you're not going to necessarily want to run him out at every start at home. And I think that's going to be frustrating for people. And so I understand why people are moving away. Uh, I think some people are moving away just because he's in cores, and I think that's a mistake. Uh, but I think why is it a mistake? Because he's shown the ability. Four seven four home ERA last year. Two nine five on the road. It's just a hard place to live, man. It is a hard place to live, but he was so good down the stretch at home. I know, yeah. but but you can't you can't with a, with that a new park. pitch. 
Yeah, late, yeah. Late absolutely. He's got those two breakers. He was struggling yeah. for the third pitch. Um, he didn't give like, up more than three earned runs uh, in the second in the, half. In the like last 17 starts or something. No, yeah. it was it was great. And, you know, I, I respect what he did. I just... I just can't go too too far with it, particularly with Coors Field but, there. I mean, I'm not I'm not going yeah. overboard. It's not like I've got him in my top twenty. No, you're not going overboard compared to there's some folks out there. You're just the high guy amongst the three of us mm-hmm. by you know five six ranks. So I, yeah, I don't want to make it sound like the Justin's bat, got him top ten or something. The I bat just, had him the bat had him fiftieth. So I was like, I have him at thirty two, thirty one. I'm I'm pushing him according to projections. Because I, guess I am too. The then. stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, and if you look, uh, the bat is actually the the low man mm-hmm. in terms of the projection systems. Yeah, because depth charts I think has them pretty high. Yeah, three eight five ERA for them. So, uh, but you know, uh, one thing if if people think I'm being too married to Derek Cardi's the bat, um, I really enjoy it. And there's a piece I love uh, the bat. There's a piece from uh, even Ariel Cohen who had his own piece. You know, has ATC projections. And was writing a piece that was ostensibly to show how good ATC was, and ATC did well, but the bat did best. And uh, ATC is a bit of a, a conglomeration of other projections. Yes. Whereas the bat, and then I, on top of that, I just know uh, Derek's process, which is he just wants to learn, and he'll read any piece at any time, and 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 pick something out of it, and be like, oh, this player said. This happens, or this happens. Let me incorporate that. Let yes, me I, let me see I if it moves it. the needle on my projections. Let me let me test it. Let me do this he, and test it here. He's one of here. the people I really look forward to talking to every year at Towers. He's yeah, just, same. Yeah. yeah, we we ended up we ended up at a bar uh, in labor where everyone had gone to bed, and it was it was me, Jeff Zimmerman, and Cardi, and this dude just drunkenly walks up and he's like, "I love I love you, Jack," <laughs> and we were just like, "Really." And Jeff's like, is he just trying to get a free beer off us? And he's like, the bat is the best. And we're like, oh, wow. Well, no, no, no. It's like 2, 2 a.m. In, in a bar in Phoenix, and Derek got a random guy come up to him and talk about the bat. That's amazing. So, but the, just the funniest thing was when we were leaving, um, we just left Cardi on the street because we were just like, we're done. And he goes, <laughs> fine, just leave me here. I'm going to die. And we got home, and there's an email in our inbox that's saying, I'm dead. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> and there's a, there was a second email. I couldn't believe he did this. He emailed the entire labor email list saying, is anybody out? I don't oh know if you guys know God. what the labor pool is like. I, I'm very it's a, a older crowd. Most of them were asleep. <laughs> I would say all of them but me and Jeff were asleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys are easily the three youngest uh, of that. Oh, Clay Link in there, too, but like that's hilarious. I think Clay had a draft the next day. So there, you know, yeah. And Car- Cardi did, too. But, <laughs> but didn't, didn't stop him. Did not stop don't him. Worry. But yeah, love- don't worry, Derek. If you're listening, we'll party hard at, uh, at, at Tout. I, I think I closed down the Foley's both nights uh, the last two years. I love the bat, and I, I think it's a, g- a great one to include there. What I'd love to see, by the way, is the aces uh, metric for the second half for Marquez because he was only 62nd yeah. percentile for the season. And, of course, it was a tale of two halves. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it started with a nine uh, for his second half and maybe even – up there with uh cole and thor so yeah i have a tough time too i just god i'd kill from the pitch anywhere but but course because he just that that's my main 
trepidation against him. It really is. But I'm never going to go broke betting against pitchers and coors. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Eno, are the are Robbie Ray's strikeouts really worth the ERA and WHIP risk? Because I felt you still had him a little bit too high at at 29, and I just I know we had that one spike season, but I think that's going to stand as his career season. And I think the the two seasons bookending it, well, maybe not the 490 ERA. We'll go with last year, 393, 135. I think that's a reasonable expectation for Robbie Ray. So are you really paying top 30 just for the strikeouts? It's just that the, it's not just the strikeouts. It's that strikeouts are the things you can depend on, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, things like a, like a 1.4 home runs per nine and a five walk rate, those are the things that are a little bit out of whack with what he's done in the past. Sure. So, well, the home runs... One four is definitely a high end, but he's won three the two years before that. But they put a humidor in last year. That's true. It should have gone true. down. Um, it should have. Why did it go down, Robbie? Did not. They did not. <laughs> Come on, Robbie. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm 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 a big Robbie Ray apologist as well, but it's hard to keep going to bat for the guy when he can't locate. And he can't. It's, it's not ball. just left-handed Chris Archer. Ouch! And that's, that's cool. and oh, but that's an important. That's an important one because even though we may not want to talk about Pineda, I have Pineda higher partly because the ball is different now than it was when he was in the league before uh, mm-hmm. before his injury. Higher um, than most, not higher than Robbie Ray and Chris Archer. I want to just specify that you have him at seventy-one for Pineda. Yeah, uh, I have him as draftable. Yes. Um, so, uh, uh, just, they are a type though. Um, Corbin though represents the way out, which is, and Corbin actually just took his slider and was like, I'm going to have a slower version of that, which is exactly what Robbie Ray has done. Mm-hmm. So that nasty, uh, curve curve. Yeah. Of I mean, if you want to, he's very much like, uh, like, uh, like Corbin, he just doesn't have the same breaking ball command, I guess. So, um, he's not, he's probably more in the Pineda camp. It's, it's, and I think projection systems have often missed on the Pineda type, the two pitch pitcher who has to either come out earlier or get hurt, hit in the fifth inning. Yes. Um, or, or even in the second inning can just get into a bad count and then have to come inside, um, you know, come inside the zone for, for a strike. Uh, with something with only two pitches so they can say I'm gonna sit it's now 3-0 I'm gonna sit slider because he's gonna think well I can't get him the fastball he's gonna hit sit fastball so I'm gonna sit slider on 3-0 and boom exactly and then boom home run city there Um, and and that that becomes the problem so yeah, for me, like with Robbie Ray, it's like I, I, I like the strikeouts, but I really do see kind of a, a right-handed ar- or left-handed archer with even more flaws, though, because at least archer doesn't walk the world. And you do have them close, 29 and 30, respectively. Uh, Pineda, 71, a little bit down there because of his injury, and he's working his way back, but he's in that same sort of realm. Um, let's move on, though. So why do you hate Eduardo Rodriguez? You got him 20-plus spots different than both of us. Eno has him 32, I have him 36. You have him 58. Is it just the lower half health, or is there some performance concern that you share for Eduardo Rodriguez? I think if if I, if I you could tell me he was going to throw 160 innings, I'd probably be on board with you guys. I just don't know that we're ever going to even see 140. 
Uh, and the one, the one, you know, one fifteen to one thirty that you get are going to be pretty good. Uh, I don't think it's good enough to overcome the uh, headache that is Eduardo Rodriguez. I hope I'm wrong because I like him, and when he is on, he is really fun to watch. Uh, I just don't know that I want to invest in a pitcher that I, I can only reasonably pencil in for 120 to 130 innings. Okay. You know, it's March 5th, and we're, we're fully into uh, spring training. Where the hell is in Dallas Keiko land? Oh, my God. Well, just one note about Ed, and I've been a big Ed pusher. Um, <laughs> is, hey, is just... hey, kid, come over here. You yeah, want some yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez? Come on, Ed. Come on. Ed come Rod? On. Yeah. <laughs> um, Wow, that's yeah, that kids Ed Rod. That, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not going to age well. Now, this is NSFW. One thing, one thing that, that bothers me is his team, his coach, the, the people that should see how good his, his stuff is, and maybe they do, they talk about him. They talk trash on him in the media. Like this, it happened a lot last year, and it happened this spring. He came out of a start, and Alex Kors said, I, it, just basically, like that start was BS, and he needs to be more efficient with his pitches, and he knows it. Oh my! God. And you're like, what do you? What is going on here? Isn't that what uh, flared up the whole David Price Eckersley thing? Was that? Yeah, but that was Alex Cora saying it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. One thing for the announcers is another thing for the manager uh, for to kind of rip Eduardo Rodriguez. Do you think maybe this is mounting to something where he gets moved out then? If they're uh, that unhappy with him, because he's a talent, he's going to bring back something real. I suppose if they five. struggle this year, they might, they might, they might do a mini sell where they yeah. sell like Xander Bogarts or sell whoever's not signing a long term extension, and uh, and try to get real top end talent and try to rebuild it like quickly, like the Yankees did. Yeah, um, I, that, that's totally possible. That would be good for Eduardo, Eduardo. Rodriguez for a closer. Oh my God! They, or make him the closer. I don't know. They don't. They don't have bullpen right now. Um, on a slide with Chris Sale. I was. I was very happy until I saw Alex Cora just rip job. Say, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> that is. That is bizarre. I, I'd missed that. I hadn't seen that at all. Uh, let's go back to Keiko. Though, but where? Where, where? Where's he going to land? Yankees. Yankees for you. You know where? Where do you got uh, Keiko going now? And I thought he might be a good fit with the Braves, but they're just not opening up their pocketbook. That, that's that's the thing, because they were rumored early. They were one of the only teams rumored early, and they just don't seem to be wanting to do it. Yeah, and they've got um, – they've got uh, – he's got some options, I would say, probably in the, um, in the Astros still. You know, they keep talking about that. The Padres now are obviously building and, and can use them. I thought – so the twins got briefly linked with Kimbrel. Yes, I remember and that. I, and I had I had him. So I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Keuchel to the twins because so they, they don't get Kimbrel. They go they, get, they go Keuchel instead. Yeah. So I I, I think that b- there's enough smoke there to say that a pitcher is going to the twins, uh, and it could be Kimbrel or Keuchel. Okay. And I just see Keuchel is going to be cheaper than Kimbrel, which is a little bit weird. I mean, that's a little bit putting the world on its head from you know 15, 20 years ago. Right. 
That's that's yeah. insane. And they've had a great offseason. If they did something like that, that'd be incredible. Although it would tamp down that that little Martin Perez heat that we just uh, flared up there. Because yeah, maybe we t- shouldn't get too excited about Martin Perez. <laughs> Cy Young Martin Perez, you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, we're just we're just pointing out the velocity. We're not saying you know that he's even draftable in all leagues right now. Um, why is Kevin Gosman in y'all's top forty-five? I don't dislike him, but it just I'm not. I'm not seeing it. A lot, dude. I, I I don't know how many times I've stared at his ranking. You got him you got him forty three, Justin, you got him forty. Oh, guess what? I, I in an impulse after I passed on him in TGFBI when he was ahead of other players, uh when he was like dropping even, I just dropped him in my rankings to fifty eight. Okay, so you battle tested. You realize that you would. That that's always interesting too. Take your rankings into whether it's a mock or a, a full on draft and see where you really stand, and that'll help you gut check on some guys. Yeah. So you well, it's not fair. If we yeah, if we're just giving them rankings that we think might score well on fantasy pros at the end of the year or something. Exactly. We're not, we're not listening to it in our own draft. So yeah, I definitely saw that in a draft. I was like, dupe, come change that up. Well, well, then, then the a focus goes to you, then Justin, because you still have him fortieth, and I'm I'm certainly glad that he's out of Baltimore. We all are for sure, and I've been a backer in the past without a doubt on Gosman, but is there really like top forty upside? Because we have just never seen the strikeout rate come to fruition. So, what is the path there to cut the homers, boost the strikeouts, and become top forty? Yeah, it's the strikeouts that have me concerned. Because I, I looked at the second half numbers after, or not the second half numbers, but the numbers see that he put up uh, with the Braves, and it's super, super intriguing. Uh, and we we did see some games with some high strikeouts, but we also saw some one strikeout games and some two yes. strikeout games, which uh, I'm probably going to have. This is like fantasy kryptonite all over again, and I'm going to have to drop him. Uh, I, I like the concept of Kevin Gosman more than the actual Kevin Gosman. I think <laughs> I've got guys like that. I say that about Rodon. And so or... yeah, I, I've got a. Uh, I'm, I'm, let me take a look at my ranks just real quick. I'm probably gonna have to drop him outside my top 45. Okay. Uh, I don't want to though. I want Kevin Gosman to be good. Like I, I want. You want him to be a thing. I get yes, it. Yes, and it's probably not fair. Uh. At the same time, we we have seen guys leave the Orioles organization and become good. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to I don't want to say like I don't think he can't find that upside because he's got the stuff to strike guys out, uh, and he did limit the home runs and the walks in Atlanta. Uh, you know his his home run uh, per nine was point uh, seven five, uh, two point seven two uh, uh, walks per nines. As the strikeouts were just pretty much non-existent under seven strikeouts per nine uh, with, with the Braves. Obviously he's dealing with kind of a residual shoulder thing and he's just starting to ramp up right now. So I'm going to have to kind of see how he looks in his first spring starts before I react too strongly one way or another. But if he comes out and he looks really, really good in spring, I'm going to have a hard time not moving him up. And if he looks like mediocre or bad, I'm, I'm probably gonna have to drop him quite a bit. All right, so that's Kevin Gosman. Uh, he already moved him. Justin's gonna move him a bit and could move him more if things don't uh, don't progress. I'm actually probably gonna take him back up a little bit after uh, dropping him to 86, but only into like the 70s with with Gosman because he does have some upside, but it's not as high as it's I used decent, to think it was. Distant stuff scores. Always had that decent stuff, and 
everyone's been talking about you know unlocking it and last year it looked like they unlocked it but statistically it didn't look right you know exactly exactly just, and the strikeout rate was about the same and you know it can't he can't go all the way down like atlanta's a fair park it's not a place where he's going to give up half a home run for nine exactly it, and the problem, i totally isn't, agree isn't with all that always the guy that breaks out in the second half like i just feel mm-hmm. i think he's like the guy who always uh well you know why it's because he doesn't get the feel for his splitter until mm-hmm. the second half because he doesn't develop the calluses on it so maybe that's something about you know starting his season earlier before verlander became verlander he's got a career three five three era in the second half versus a four seven seven first half career era. i mean that's that's a stark difference there before verlander became the the ace that we know he would always struggle early in the season and he finally said you know what i just have to start my season sooner because of whatever it is i'm not ramping up in time to be ready for april and so he started his training earlier maybe it's a situation where gosman needs to do that get the calluses developed for uh his pitches to have the feel and so he's ready to go then this would be concerning that he's starting later than he normally exactly. would with the yeah. so yeah not not great. Uh, all right, moving on then. You know, are you moving up you Darvish at all on the early hype? You talk about velocity being a little bit of a mover for you. We're seeing him come out and look a little bit you Darvish-like uh, with health and popping 96, 97. You have him at 42, which is not an egregiously bad ranking or anything like that, but are you moving him up at all? Um, yeah, it's interesting because his stuff score was a little, bit la- a little bit low last year probably because of a little bit of dip in velocity. And he has, uh, you know, kind of minus uh, minus command. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said himself that he kind of lost command of his breaking balls last year. And that's his saving grace is that even if he can't command his fastball, you can usually command that slider. Um, so if he says he's got the command back on the slider and he's throwing 95 again, you know, he definitely is more exciting. But he's also in a group that I'm just like, these are all exciting. I mean, Nathan Evaldi, Luis Castillo, Rich Hill, they're all exciting with a uh, big asterisk. So the glob. It's all about to, the glob. To, exactly. to push him out of the blob, you know, and to push him is to push him uh, past Madison Bumgarner uh, and into the sort that. of Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, Miles Mikolas group, which is too far for me. So maybe I can push him. I mean, he's right now I've got Carlos Martinez ahead of him. Um, this is, he's in, well, Martinez is in the middle of dropping. It's just hard to know how far to drop Martinez without, you know, a new piece of news, but yeah, you know, maybe push him ahead of Martinez and get him to right around, like maybe ahead of Keuchel and Hendricks, who, the minus stuff guys, or maybe right, right around there. He would be then right, right next to Masahiro Tanaka. That'd be weird. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, because they obviously famously they kind of, yeah, made fun of each other or don't yeah. like each other. Exactly. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if Darvish can return, stay healthy, if he can really take off with the Cubs after getting that big deal with them. Um, you know, I want to stick with you on this one. What's a realistic Tyler Glass now season look like in 2019? Like, what are you expecting out of him? I have no idea. <laughs> That's the answer I'm sorry. right there. What am I? I? No, no, don't <laughs> apologize. I love the honesty instead of BSing something. You know what uh, I tried to do? Straight up. I tried to do because somebody, I think they were on the TV or somebody was saying, oh, they they just uh, told him to let it rip and just throw his fastball high in the zone and as hard as he could. And then I looked at all his fastball heat maps and I was like, he's not throwing it higher in the zone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so it's a, it's a BS thing that they're trying to retrofit onto him. There's almost no change 
in uh, his pitch mix. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I'm not, that, like, I'm kind of feverishly checking my work here. No, that, that was – okay, so when he went to Tampa Bay last year, stopped the slider the amped up. A little bit. He stopped yeah. on the change up a little bit. And, and the uh, slider amped up a little bit more. Yeah, for okay. last now now he's messing with a new delivery. Fast. Like, Yeah, that thing doesn't make me think, oh, that's going to be yeah. commandable. Well, tall guys, like, dude. That's that's why I don't like tall guys because they can't find a delivery that consistently works. If he if he was quote unquote figuring things out after going to Tampa, why is he working on a new delivery? Like I, that makes no sense. It, I don't want anything to do with Tyler Glass now. And I, I think as Paul has said multiple times, if I'm wrong on him, I'll, I'll eat crow later on. But yep. he needs he needs to prove it for longer than three straight starts, uh, especially since. Especially since the big question marks for him are not the kind of things that are fixed in a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, yes, he had strikeouts. That's never been the question. We've always thought he could strike out a lot of people. But all of a sudden, he stopped giving up dongs and walks. And dongs and walks, you, yeah, you want more than three straight starts. You don't want to be like, oh, well, now he can command everything. It's amazing. Look, yeah. he put this crazy hitch in his delivery. Now he can command it. I mean, he could be Robbie Ray. But I don't think he's ever going to be anything greater than Robbie Ray. Yeah, I think that's kind that's of an interesting so it's kind upside. Kind of a ceiling, ceiling of similar, but then the floor is obviously worse. Exactly. Uh, all right, so that's Tyler Glass. Now. I have Robbie Ray uh, around thirty. Uh, yeah, and thirty. Glass now, Glass 40, now forty-two. Before, yeah. yeah. So pretty close. So maybe that's what. Uh, maybe that's a bit even, of an upside ranking, though. Right now, I'm like, well. Wouldn't I take like Pavetta, McHugh, not Haney? Haney has to drop. Let's talk bit. about Pavetta. Let's get on the segue and skip <laughs> on over because I was surprised. Well, you haven't jumped in on the Pavetta hype that like everyone else is. At 53, you're actually not so far. But what really surprised me is that you had Jake Arietta higher at 46 versus Pavetta at 53. Can you talk to us about how you feel about both of them? I'm really curious why you have. Arietta at 46, what you're seeing out of him this year. And then Pavetta at 53 is a little bit lower than the market. So where are you at on him? So talk to us about the two Phillies, Arietta and Nick Pavetta. Yeah, suddenly they're actually right next to each other. And After your adjustments? or Yeah, yeah, after some uh, some guys moving around. So what I have right now is Arietta uh, 44 and Pavetta 45. They're, okay. they're Pretty different across the board. Pavetta has a higher stuff score than Arietta, whose obvious whose stuff is obviously eroding. Arietta's the bat projection is better than Pavetta's. Um, I want to be conscious of like I I was way into Pavetta last year, right? And I told everyone he's gonna break out, and I put him like 75. Mm-hmm. So that's me being cautious and saying, you know, just because you love Jarrell Cotton doesn't mean you should be a $10 pitcher, you know? So, uh, so I was like, you know what? I like this guy. He hasn't shown it, but he has good stuff. I'm going to put him as draftable as a final pitcher, right? Boom. I think, I don't think anybody's too mad at me for that. He, he had an up and down year, but he showed some stuff and I, he seems like a now, and now all of a sudden people are talking about him as like a top 40 or, you know, about that. And I'm like, well, even when he was going well, like last year was pretty good for what I thought. And he still has like command issues and some like, uh, kind of like not, I don't want to say make, it's not makeup, but it's like he, like he, he just loses, uh, he loses the game. 
There, there loses, isn't that not makeup though? We're not like yeah. He loses. It's more like concentration. I mean, yeah. yeah. You throw that in makeup, but when you say makeup, people think, oh, he's a bad guy. No, no, he's not. Oh a bad yeah, guy. yeah, no, we're not saying but that. I, I, like I, I, he just. Uh, I've even heard this from you, people. You heard it here first. Eno you know, says he's an awful person. <laughs> <laughs> I've just heard it from people even within the organization where they're like, we like he should be fine. He'll be fine in the future. He'll be better because he won't lose uh, concentration in the middle of the game. But will he? Or I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I think putting him uh, in the top 50 uh, feels like that would be growth, and that would be a good outcome for him, and I'd still be happy with him. People are like really into the K-minus walks there without, uh, I think, appreciating that there's some command and, and um, you know, possibly other issues. I'm not, nobody report that I think he's a bad guy. Please. please. <laughs> That's not true. And tweet, I, 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 tweet Nick Pavetta at Nick Pavetta. Seven. Yes, please. I because, understand. My, because my Twitter feed needs to be more of a mess today. <laughs> yeah, you need more trouble today. I understand all that on Pavetta. I'm really intrigued by the Arietta bit, though, because 46 is high. Um, I'm I, I got him way low. I just... I, I got him at 69, oh, which is nice. His, his projection is... Is for uh, low forties because uh, there's still there's still yeah. residual from when he was an ace. But is he I just think he's, he's safe? I just think he's okay. kind of safe. I think he's kind of safe, and that's it's one of my rare innings plays where I'm like, I think he's going to throw like 180 innings. I don't think his ERA will be over four. I don't think it'll necessarily be great, but I don't think his ERA will be over four. Do you not um, think Pavetta is going to throw 180 innings? Because he threw 164 last year. But yes, but I'm not sure that Pavetta's ERA is going to be under okay. four. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you look at the projections for Pavetta, most of them have him over four, uh, whereas with Arietta, most of them have under four. I'm, that, that I'm makes- shaving. I'm shaving a little bit of ice here, shaving the garlic. Where like you know, it's three point nine and four point one. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it's it, it represents how I feel a little bit. So I push back and say that uh, you know. Just He's as, boring and old. Well, Arietta's projections: three of the five have him over four as well. So, or actually, four of the five have him over four. I had that wrong. Then. So I and while I just because I have I'm including fans and you shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Yes, never, never, <laughs> never, never include the fans. <laughs> um, so I, I just worry that in that he's getting older. We've seen kind of a, a deterioration, uh, little by little, on Arietta. Could. You know, this could be a year where he falls off. I'm not saying he's going to, but I'd rather take the upside on a 26-year-old Nick Pavetta than catch the tail end of a, a, a 32, 33-year-old. Uh, uh, oh, part. it's his birthday. Oh, tomorrow. Nice. Happy, happy, bir- birthday. happy birthday. Okay, I've got a birthday present for you, Arietta. I am moving you down. <laughs> uh, I think he sits really nicely between Cole Hamels and Rick Porcello. At 51. Yeah, I think that that's sounds, kind of that's, that's the sounds, kind of player he is. I gotta move yeah. him up. That being said, I, I, I've ranked him like 80th or something. <laughs> yeah, visible. Yeah, and and you're definitely right about the innings play piece, where you you can feel confident that you're going to get some some volume out of Arietta. So those deeper formats, which the three of us tend to play more than not, uh, that's where he can have some value. So I, I totally get all of that uh, with Jake Arietta. So okay, yeah, and you're gonna move him down a little bit from 46. Uh, Michael Jeff Zimmerman Ford. is has left the building and is in a wing stop somewhere texting me <laughs> that I, that that you I want pick, pick him up. So oh oh so yeah, I, I think I might have to go. Okay, well then just can we do one more? All right, one uh, more. M- Michael Fulmer at forty seven stands out 
I oh, love he's, Michael Fulmer. He's not a port seven anymore. Okay, because I was gonna say I love Michael Fulmer, but I just can't. I can't go that high, and I'm deathly terrified of Kristen Stewart and Nick Castellanos on the oh, corners in the outfield. That's defense a great is gonna point. be so bad. Heimer Candelario on top of it, and like none of those yeah. are very good. Jordy Mercer is about the only good and Josh Harrison isn't terrible so the middle infield is halfway decent but every fly ball seemingly going to drop unless Jacoby Jones catches last year he had a a 90th percentile uh, stuff score and the bats projection is for 27th best pitcher so that's why he was so high Uh, he has now dropped below Brandon Woodworth to number to 63rd uh, because he first came out throwing 89 and everyone said, don't worry about his early uh, velocity readings. And he said, I'm not worried about it, which means I am freaking out. <laughs> and, uh, the next, uh, time out, uh, with this big old knee brace after surgeries, uh, he's at, uh, 90, 91. So, uh, you know, so what if he gets another tick, he can get another tick and be like, see, I told you that's not 96 miles an hour anymore, dude. Yeah, that's not the mid-90s that Fulmer used to live There's at. There's no way he's going to average 95-plus this year if he's sitting 91 right now. Nobody gets four ticks between March and March 5th and April 1st. It's just, I don't think that's going to happen. I, if I if it did, I would be, I, I don't know, I'd eat a hat. You'd be shocked, and you'd be eating a hat. Um, uh, yeah, so, I'll eat a hat. If he averages over 95 this year, I'll eat a hat. That'd be really interesting if you Can had Can I eat just, like, hat. some of the hat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just brim. Like, who can eat a brim? That's just uh, like real thick cardboard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know we'll we'll let you uh, marinate it, it in beers. Bit. Yeah, you can put some sriracha <laughs> on it. You can so, drink some beers. I'll grab right, you some Pliny's and and you can soak it in there. What will that do to my stomach, Jesus? That's gonna be the perfect cutoff there about you know potentially eating a hat if Michael Fulmer uh, does anything this year or or with his velocity. Um, you can find you on Twitter at Eno Saris and, of course, over at The Athletic. Eno, I want to thank you so much for being on with us. Love talking and pitching with you. Love what you're doing over there at The Athletic, man. And I'll see you in a couple days. Yeah, and watch for news. Um, I'm going to be a competitor, guys. Uh-oh. That sounds vague and awesome, so maybe you can tell us off the right. podcast. Oh, let's go. Okay. All right. Can we keep that in? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, you can that, get that then. Okay, all right. That, that's it. All right, I mean, that's you've, you've got some stiff competition because we're award-winning. We are award-winning, and uh, we're giving you back-to-back two-hour podcasts uh, in, in two days. So enjoy, folks. Guys, I'll talk to you all later. Peace. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs>